be able to take it to that next level. That's what I'm excited about. Throws over the middle, wide open for across the five. He's in. Touchdown, Houston. Fires underneath. This is intercepted. Back-to-back possessions with picks for this Texans defense. Takeaway number three on the day. Game day is every day. Five nights a week, the hits keep on coming. Now, it's Texans All Access. Oh, yes, it is. Hello, Texans. Mark Vandermeer with you. John Harris and the General John McClain from SportsRadio610.com and GalleriesSports.com. Great to have you gentlemen with us tonight, as always, as we huddle up and talk about what's going to go down this weekend and we got so much to get to, but General, I want to start right here. Andy Reid is coming into the building on Sunday for the first time in a little bit here because the Texans took him on twice in 2019, but those were on the road. 2018, no. 2017, first time since 2017. So you tell me, Andy Reid, where do you rank him in the Super Bowl era among head coaches? And I'll give you well, the before names. I Obviously, t- Belichick. All right, go ahead. You don't need to give me any names. Um First of all, while I've been sitting here uh, preparing to go on with you guys, I've thought of two things. Number one, uh, I am uh, fired up about the Texas Bowl coming up because I get to come back as one of the gridiron legends and hang out with some of the greatest football players in our city, some of the greatest coaches, administrators. And we have our own suite, and it's so much fun to be with those guys, go down the field before the game, participate in the luncheon and the dinner and chairman's reception and i'm really fired up about that and with kansas city and patrick mahomes and andy reed coming to town i just thought of something if the chiefs go to the super bowl it means patrick mahomes mr state farm salesman will be playing in state farm stadium do you think state farm might have something they've already prepared for that just in case wow all right general so uh, so I asked. Okay, Mark hold this. on. Andy Reid. Andy Reid is until he won the Super Bowl with Mahomes. Well, Andy used to get ripped all the time because of his clock management. He was so defensive about it. And since he won the Super Bowl and has Patrick Mahomes, he ain't get criticized anymore for bad clock management because Mahomes has bailed him out so many times. And because Andy is such a popular guy, respected by everybody. And because of what he put up with as a head coach at Philadelphia, I'll never forget the first game at Lincoln Financial Field. I was there because I covered the NFL then. And they lose to Tampa, and a columnist demanded he be fired the next day after starting 0-1. And I think that might have been – I can't remember if they – they went back to the playoffs, of course – but he has one of the greatest personalities, and because he's so popular and so funny, and he's in a State Farm commercial, it's hilarious. I think people will rate him high as a Super Bowl coach. You know, you got to go. He's won one. He's been to two. There's a lot that have won more than one. Would he be, be in the top Great. ten? I'd say, yeah. I'm sorry. Isn't it three? Yeah, he's been three. three. He's been in three and won one, yeah. And there's others who have won multiple. So I would think he might be about number 10, somewhere in there. And there's guys who won two that don't get any love, like, say, George Seifert, who had the difficult assignment of replacing Bill Walsh. But uh, to me, Belichick 
is obviously number one. You got Lombardi, you got Shula, you know, you don't even name Walsh. You don't even need to uh, name these Landry, Parcells to say who they are, the first names, because we all know the last ones. But Andy Reid's not walking away anytime soon, and neither is Patrick Mahomes. And no telling how many those guys will win together. And if they get back this year, they will be highly motivated to rebound from losing uh, the AFC championship game last year to Cincinnati. All right, General. So that hit my – I don't know why it hit me when it, when you start going through the coaches. I'm like, wait, there's one that you left out, and, and I didn't expect you to name them all. But if you've got to win one game and you get to pick either Andy Reid or Joe Gibbs, who are you taking? Boy, that's a great question. I think I'm going to take Gibbs because he won his Super Bowls with different quarterbacks, and none of them are in the Hall of Fame. And Andy won with a great quarterback who's going to go down – is one of the best in history. Gibbs won throwing the ball with Doug Williams. He ran, he won running the ball with John Riggins. He won with every style in the Super Bowl he needed to based on the talent he had. And Doug Williams had one of the all time great performances because, you know, we've all been to the dentist. And when he got out of the dentist chair and he came out there and drilled four touchdown passes, that was pretty impressive to me. Wow. You know, Joe Gibbs has the highest playoff winning percentage of any coach in NFL history, but just barely over Bill Belichick. But it's 17 and 7 versus 31 and 13. Belichick's <laughs> been in the playoffs a whole lot more. And it's amazing to see Parcells, who has 172 total wins, and that ranks him 13th on the all time list. So Reed is fifth, by the way, behind Landry, Belichick, Hallis, and Shula. Uh, and. This does not include the playoff wins that list. I know Belichick has passed Hallis. Uh, so he's right up there, and he's one of the best in the history of this game, and the Chiefs are in town on Sunday. In general, how are the Texans going to do this, trying to piece together a running game with no Damian Pierce? And it's so heartbreaking that he's not part of this thing on Sunday as he's 61 yards away from 1,000, and we'd love to see him get it. You talk about heartbreaking. You guys weren't the ones before training camp who bet Landry Locker a thousand, a hundred dollars that Pierce would rush for a thousand yards, and I did. And he goes, "No, he's not." And I said, "You want to bet? Sure. What do you want to bet? A hundred dollars." And so I'm going to end up. I think I don't expect Pierce back. Yeah, he's got a high ankle sprain. You don't get over those quick. And why put him out there for the last game? So I'm going to owe Landry a hundred bucks. He's giving me a chance to get out, but I can't. I think this. I think, you know, you stick with that quarterback rotation because Lovey praised it all after Sunday and Monday, so why would he get away with it? So Jeff Driscoll can run a lot, either that or let Driscoll play running. Because right now, uh, if you look at what Rex Burkhead and Darian Bawali have done, they're in big trouble when it comes to the running game. They're 29th anyway with Pierce, so I think they're going to have to mix it up, I think, Driscoll, who is not afraid to take a hit, you know, on that last series down the goal line, I would have given him the run pass option four times. An option was him to run, not hand it to Burkhead or pitch it to Burkhead. And so I I believe that those guys will play. And Driscoll, he probably should run at least ten times. General, thinking ahead, like way ahead to 2023, so I watched a practice the other day, and it got me thinking about looking at who was at practice, who was practicing, 
and wondering which guys will be on the roster in 2023. So from a running back, wide receiver, tight end standpoint, how many of those guys do you think are back in 2023? There'll be one running back, and that'll be Pierce. I think wide receivers, like if, if I were Pep Hamilton, I would start Chris Moore. He deserves it. And I would start Nico Collins when he's ready to come back. I'd give Amari Rogers a chance. I want the hungry guys out there. And Amari Rogers deserves another chance to catch the ball after the way he played against Cowboys. Now, Nico uh, is uh, sure to come in back next year. Chris Moore is going to have to earn it. Amari Rogers has a chance to prove himself uh, to Nick Casario down the stretch. And uh, I think Brandon Cooks is gone. And uh, what's strange is I'd want Jordan Aikens back. And I've said this now for weeks on 610, and I've written it. I think they need to have Jordan Aikens touching the ball at least five times a game because he's made plays. We've all seen it. He can break tackles. He can run. He can't do it if he doesn't have the ball. John McLean joining us. John, what about this Texans defense? You know, we talked about the – Lack of touchdowns allowed over a three-game span last week, and I think it was three allowed uh, by the defense itself over a three-game span. Then you get into the Dallas game, and I know it didn't go as well, but you saw some moments still. They kept it close. They kept things, quote, within striking distance. Could have, would have, should have won that game. What do you make of the defense overall as we come down the stretch here and moving into the future? Texans have given up the NFL fewest passing touchdowns in the NFL 11. The teams right behind them, three of them are playoff teams. Now, I expect that to change with Patrick Mahomes coming in because he burns everybody. But that first game, first series against Dallas, they went down the season, down the field and scored with Pollard and Elliott. I thought, man, they're going to give up 250 yards rushing. And then they got good and they worked till the last series. And if the offense had scored from the four, it wouldn't have mattered what they did on the last series. And I think when you've done it without Derek Stingley, don't know if we're going to see him or not. And Jalen Petrie has really improved since they moved him back to free safety. They lost Steven Nelson. It's amazing. You don't have Stingley. You lose Nelson, who's played well, been a really good free agent addition. And uh, Jonathan Owens put on the biggest hit of the year that's prevented a touchdown. So, And Christian Harris, even though he still missed some tackles, now, he's got talent, but think how tempting it's going to be. You got the first pick, and Jalen Carter, a humongous defensive tackle who they say is going to be highest rated in a long time, can stuff the run, and he can get out after the quarterback up the middle. Or Will Anderson, the best edge rusher, how tempting it would be to take one of those guys, and maybe Casario will. But uh, – I think this defense is going to get better. That three-game stretch allowed three touchdowns. Was it three three touchdowns in three games, same as, yep. the, as the offense allowed? I I I think that uh, things are looking good for this defense. It's been good in the red zone. You know, Lovey Smith's two-deep coverage will give up a lot of yards in the middle, but they're not giving up a lot of touchdowns. That could very well change Sunday. And if it does, hey, there's no shame in giving up touchdowns to the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. General, it's difficult to win a defensive player of the year, defensive rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year, whatever, one of those big awards. It's hard to win that uh, being 1-11-1, if my math is correct. 
But Jalen Petrie sure deserves to be in consideration, especially the way that he's played the last three weeks. He seemed to hit kind of a wall uh, in and around maybe the Giants game, and I don't think the Giants game was his greatest effort. Then he got moved back to free safety, and all of a sudden you started seeing him make a ton of plays against Miami. You saw him the other day against Dallas. You've been telling us about Jalen Petrie for a long time because he's obviously a Baylor Bear. But is there a small, small chance that he can – win defensive rookie of the year or do you think it's going to sauce Gardner? no questions asked oh absolutely he has no prayer uh the kid from seattle he has a better chance those Tariq are going to be yeah Tariq well and they're going to have they'll be the first team corners not sure there's a lot of really good rookie defensive backs and and that are playing well and Petrie, I'm hoping that the uh, all-rookie team, which is voted on by the Pro Football Writers of America, will have him at one of the safety spots, if not the first team, or the second team. And Jalen went through a stretch missing too many tackles. At one point, he was one of the leading guys for missing tackles. And then when they moved him, it didn't happen again. And that was not an issue at Baylor. I think he's turned a corner. I think he's going to be a great player. He's a really good one right now. And uh, if you look at them and the, the record of the team and everything, he's one of the few bright spots. General, if the Titans have a total meltdown from here, and it's in progress with three consecutive losses, the firing of John Robinson, they just lost to the Jaguars. They're visiting the Chargers this weekend. Then they have the Texans, Cowboys, and Jaguars again. If they have a total meltdown, win maybe only one more the rest of the way and somehow miss the playoffs, well, that would take a miracle for Jacksonville to catch them at this point. But anyway, they have a meltdown, early exit from the playoffs. Is there any any danger for Mike Vrabel in Nashville? No, not, none, none whatsoever. Um, no. And I'll tell you something else about them. Uh, a lot of people around the league say, well, they're going to go one and three. They'll beat Houston. They could lose the other three. Now, they should lose to the Chargers, but the Chargers are woefully inconsistent, seven and six, but they're playing for something. But Jacksonville, I was listening to a show today saying a great way to bet your money, three seven, bet a dollar for a chance to win 376, you know, bet 100, it's the odds of the Jaguars winning the division. Now, the odds are bigger than making the playoffs. They're not going to make the playoffs. There's too many good teams in the AFC that are 7-6. and six. But winning the division, based on what's going on in Tennessee with the injuries, the controversy that lingers over the John Robinson firing, and uh, the fact that the offense is just has not been very good, and uh, they haven't been able to come close to replacing A.J. Brown. I'm not a betting man, but I told my wife, Carol, if we were, I might put something on the Jaguars, even though right when you think Trevor Lawrence has turned a corner because he had a great game, then he has a bad one. Well, he's coming off a great one. And if he can have a second consecutive great one, then he may really have gotten over the hump with Doug Peterson. And they could be a factor. I don't think they're going to win the division. But it's like Detroit. I think Detroit's going to miss out on by one game. Think how fired up the Detroit fans are going to be. Detroit last won a playoff game in 1991. Before that, you guys weren't even born. It was in the, I was six years old in the 50s. And so you know why their fans are going to be so fired up next year 
about what's in store, especially them getting a high number one pick that came from the Rams. And so uh, I think Jacksonville's going to be in the same boat. They're, they're going to look good down the stretch, and their fans are going to get really fired up. Based on what they've gone through, they deserve it. Now, if they lose a 10th consecutive game to the Texans with the worst record in the league, then those fans are going to want to vomit. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. All right, General, let's talk about the one team that we have yet to talk about in the AFC South. It's I don't want to say it's team dysfunction because it feels like the AFC South has got a lot of that going on, but the Indianapolis Colts – and what they've got going on. And Jeff Saturday was interviewed last week, I think, and he said, oh, sure, yeah, I want this job full-time going forward. So it might be crazy, but it's Jim Irsay. Is there a possibility that after going through the Rooney Rule and satisfying that, General, that Jeff Saturday remains the permanent head coach in Indianapolis? I'd be shocked. Jim Irsay was asked about it at the NFL owners' meeting uh Tuesday or to Wednesday in uh Dallas and he said he really likes Saturday but there's a lot of good coaches out there and I think he's going to start over have no clue who he's going to go after and uh I wouldn't surprise me if Saturday didn't stay somewhere in the organization because they think he's handled it very professionally he and Ursay have become tighter than they were before so I could see him still being in the organization. General, what do you think happens to the Dolphins from here? They're going to be visiting Buffalo. It's going to be snowing. It's not going to be as bad as it was a few weeks ago when they had to go to Detroit. But here are the 8-5 and five Dolphins in need of a victory at Buffalo. Ouch. And down the stretch for the Dolphins, it's the Packers at home at New England and against the Jets. Divisional games, who knows? But at New England has always been a tough task for the Dolphins. Your thoughts? A tough schedule. The only one not in the playoff race is Green Bay, which sounds weird. So they've lost two in a row. Mm -hmm. Two has not played well. Two had a great quote. He got tired of the media continuing to ask him about playing in snow. And he said, well, it's snowed in Alabama. (laughs) And people are like, what? (laughs) Dad got it dusted somewhere in northern Alabama. And the Buffalo people, of course, just eat that up because they love the snow and the bad weather. Like when the Texans were up there last year and it was cold and rainy and the wind blew. And everybody is miserable in the press box just thinking about what it's like out there. The fans ate it up. I can't wait for that game. I love snow games. I love Saturday games during December when the NFL finally does that. They got a tough sledding here. I thought for a while they might be in the run for a bye, but they're not. Buffalo has the advantage over the Chiefs because they beat the Chiefs. And the red-hot team, the red-hot team of Cincinnati, 9-2 and two after their 0-2 start, in which they lost by three to, to both times. And now they've won five in a row, and they got at Tampa, at New England, Buffalo and Baltimore at home. What a closing stretch for the Bengals. Joe Burrow's playing great, but he's got all kind of injuries as skill position players, but he is playing great. You look at Mahomes, you look at uh you look at him and uh you know Lamar Jackson is out and Josh Allen and you see those three quarterbacks 
they're head and shoulders above everybody, and I'm included to the tongue of Iloa. And um, it's it's it, the CFC playoff race is going to be so much fun because you know this is December. You separate the pretenders and the contenders, and I just don't see Miami being one. Not All right, General. General Mark and I, I do this thing where I I hit him with a hot take, and then I want to know on a scale of one to five sizzle fires <laughs> how hot. The hot take is. So I'm going to give you one that I actually read somewhere, and I, I don't know if it popped up on a tweet or an article or whatever. I want you to assess the, the sizzle fires on this hot take. At the end of the 2022 season, Sean McVay will retire, as will Matt Stafford with the L.A. Rams. Ooh. Hike it, Figgy. <laughs> oh, I forgot. Wrong right. show. Well, yeah, no, wrong show. Sean McVay <laughs> makes too much money. He, he used the TV to get the contract he wants. He bought a new house. He got married. You know the competitive, competitiveness in him. He's not going to want to go out with perhaps the worst record of any, any defending champion. He'll be back. And I can't imagine Matthew Stafford is going to want to hang him up. And people say, boy, Jared Goff's playing better than he is. I think both of them will be back. If Stafford plays when he's hurt, going back, remember, in the offseason, he had the elbow issues, and he's one tough SOB. He proved that all those years in Dallas. I think both of them will come back with a vengeance. What's going to happen in Arizona with Steve Kime taking a leave of absence? Oh, boy. that I I uh, hope it's not as hard. I watch all those in-season uh, hard knocks, and everybody just assumes that Cliff Kingsbury's dead man walking. Kyler Murray may not be back for the start of next season because of his torn ACL. You see how long it, it people act like Odell Beckham Jr. is going to come back. The only guy I've seen come back early from a torn ACL and be great was Adrian Peterson. You know, if I got a torn ACL, I'm calling him. I'm saying, who did your surgery? in your rehab. Well, that was right here in Houston. And then I'd like to, if I ever had Tommy John surgery, I'd call Justin Verlander and I'm going to say, who did your Tommy John and who did your rehab? And so I, I'm guessing Murray, we may not see him in September. We may not be seeing him until October or midway through the season. So whoever comes in there is going to have a really difficult assignment, not as bad as Denver. You know, you think it doesn't matter how much money the Walmart owners pay them. When you come in with a team that has very little talent on offense, got some, but they don't have the draft choices and they lost, they gave away players. And you have a window with a great defense. The defense is playing so well. And uh, that is, to me, going to be the toughest rebuild in the NFL for the coach that takes the job at – at uh, Denver, would Sean Payton roll up his sleeves with like a seven or eight year contract and dive in and think he can turn around Russell Wilson? General, they don't have the best record in the NFC, but if you had to pick it right now, would you say the San Francisco 49ers are the one team you would want to play in the NFC regardless of Brock Purdy starting or not? You say would or wouldn't? Would. Would. No, I wouldn't want to play them because they got the best defense in the NFL in every statistic. Coached by D'Amico Ryans, they have the guy that should be the defensive player of the year, Nick Bosa, who blows away 
uh, Micah Parsons in every stat, yet Micah Parsons, because he plays for the Cowboys, continues to get more publicity than Bosa does. Their defense is great. They've won six games in a row. They, they're down to their third quarterback, and if Purdy gets hurt tonight, Josh Johnson, who's been with like 48 teams, he's going to be playing. But Kyle Shanahan does such a great job. And maybe they lose to Seattle, but they can clinch they can clinch the division tonight. And uh, I just – that defense is – you don't see many that are number one in every key stat. General, what about – What's going on on, as Sean Pendergast words it, your various platforms, sportsmedia610.com, <laughs> gallerysports.com. Thank you for listening to our uh, Euphoria podcast. Uh, I'm sorry, oh, yeah, Utopia. Utopia. I keep saying you, Euphoria because <laughs> Euphoria. of Euphoria. Because <laughs> I'm waiting for it to come back. Utopia. Um, I've got a playoff column on gallerysports.com and that uh, I went over everything. Uh, about who's what and what could happen. And then I love doing those things. And then I have on Sports Radio 610 a uh, column on the Texans, and I'm going to write another column for Sports Radio 610 tomorrow on the Texans. And tomorrow's the day I post my five plot lines for the Texans-Chiefs game. Thank you guys for asking, and Merry Christmas. Well, thank you for being on. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. John McClain joining us. All right, coming up. Yeah. Yep. Oh, good. Ho, ho, ho. Had to get that one in as well. Sounds pretty authentic with the general there. Let's get to who's better. It's coming up next. We do it every Thursday at 630-ish. It's Texans Radio. More Texans Radio is on the way. Texans Radio is back. Oh, yes. Mark Vandermeer, John Harris with you. And we're going to play who's better as we do every Thursday, just about every Thursday. And here we go, Johnny. I know you're ready, so let's have it. Better quarterback prospect in the upcoming NFL draft. I'm not going to go with the very top top here. I'm going to go a little deeper, and I'm going to pit two players against each other. Better QB prospect 2023, Will Levis from Kentucky or Anthony Richardson from Florida? I made it too easy, didn't I? No, not really. Um, I actually think these two, you know, I've gone back and forth on on them pretty much all year because, unfortunately, that's the way they play. And so some days you see them and you go, whoa, okay, that that works. Let's go. But then some days you see them and you're like, man, ah, it's like a stinky sock. Like, yeah, no, no, get it away from me. I watched – I was studying actually uh, a guard from Florida yesterday, uh, Osiris Torrance, and you just can't take your eyes off Richardson. You really can't. Um, and so there's a ton of upside there. I, I feel like almost Richardson, if Richardson could fall into a situation that's like Mahomes, where Mahomes didn't have to start right away. He could sit and he could watch. Um, he could get some work against the Chiefs defense that was pretty solid at the time, his whole rookie year, uh, and then let that bleed into his second year. Now, I don't know what team can afford that, to be honest, but that's kind of what I think he would need. Levis, I think it started as a rookie, but I don't think his ceiling is as high. So I'm going to go with – with Richardson, but I understand why people like Levis. It's not hard to see it, and Richardson can spray it, but man, Mark, if you can can rein that in, you've got Josh Allen, and that's the problem. You've got Josh Allen as the only outlier, or the only one. I don't know how many other quarterbacks you look at and go, well, did it happen for Blaine Gabbert? Did it happen for Jake Locker? Um, No and no. 
Um, those are all quarterbacks that had a ton of talent. Killy Smith, going back to 1999, ton of talent, great size, all the traits. And it just didn't come together. Um, I would roll with Richardson, though. I really wouldn't. I know a lot of people are high on Levis. I just think Richardson's got a higher ceiling. And at this point, I think I want the guy with the higher ceiling of those two. Okay, well said. Who's better? Number two on this list. Better GM job, the Titans or the Cardinals? Both are open with Steve Kahn taking leave of absence in Arizona and the Titans having dismissed John Robinson. Better GM job, Johnny. I, oh man. Now, not knowing Tannehill's, I know Tannehill's salary cap hit this year was enormous. In fact, I think it was the highest salary cap hit in the NFL. It was like $39 million or something like that. So I don't know what his contract situation is. I but, think it's going to be 18 next year. Well, I think that's something that's maneuverable. And I think the mm-hmm. one thing I don't like about the Cardinals, and, and whether, it was, um, whether it was Kyler Murray getting hurt or just underperforming, I, just, I don't like all the money that's tied up into a few guys – you know, that they've got tied up into J.J. and the hop. And, and those guys are producing. But then you've got all that money tied up into Kyler. And do you even believe that Kyler's the guy? At least if I don't think that Ryan Tannehill's the guy, I'm not going to – I'm not locked into him for the next, what, three, four years. So from that perspective, I think I'd much rather be in Tennessee. And, oh, by the way, I think the FC South is easier to win and if you want to invite to the dance, you just have to take care of that. I think doing it in NFC West is a little bit more difficult. I think the Rams will get back on track. And then that, that division becomes a monster. Now, if we get our act together and the Jaguars do, as they're doing, um, and who knows what the Colts are going to do, then the AFC South gets better. But I think for the interim, I think the Titans' job to me, I feel like the, the defense – Needs a little work, but it's not anywhere near like Arizona. I don't look at Arizona and think it's a finished product even close at, at any aspect. The offensive line is not good. They're very similar. I'm glad you brought them up because they're very, very similar to one another. But I think I would think I think I would go with the Titans job that I would want just because I'm not hamstrung by a quarterback contract and I could make that work, whether it's in the draft or trying to make Malik Willis work, giving Ryan Tannehill one more year. Uh, I don't know, but I would rather have the Titans job because I feel like there's too much money tied up into a lot of guys in Arizona that are going to hit their cliff sooner than later. All right, who's better continues here. Better chance to win the Super Bowl. Would it be Dallas, who we just saw, a 10-win team? Now, neither of these teams lead their division. Dallas or the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals are tied with the same record as the Ravens, but they have it in hand right now with the game that they won against Cincy earlier. Those two teams will hook up in the regular season finale. So, Johnny, you tell me, better chance to win the Super Bowl, Bengals or Cowboys? I think the Cowboys have got an easier path, as crazy as that sounds. I just don't think the NFC is as good. you got the Eagles. And I think you have the Niners and you have the Cowboys. Over in the AFC, I think there are any number of teams that could that could win that thing uh, or at least come out of there and get to the Super Bowl. So I think the Cowboys have an easier path, and it's, it sounds nuts, but the Cowboys went out, which is not inconceivable. That means they're going to beat the Eagles. And if the Eagles lose one of their time outside of that Dallas game, then Dallas wins the division and I think would be the number one seed, if I, if my math is correct. And that would make it that much easier. I think it's going to be tougher for the Bengals because 
I think the AFC is just that much tougher. Plus, going back to the Super Bowl and winning it the year after you lost it, you got to go back to 1972 for that to have happened. Yeah, 72. So, 50 years, and and there's a reason for that. I, I think the Bengals are probably the more dangerous team to me, but I do think that even though, you know, they struggled with us, I feel like that Dallas team is a little bit more complete as long as they can get Tyron Smith back. If they can get Tyron Smith back and move Tyler Smith over to right tackle to replace Terrence Steele, then I think the Cowboys offensive line is where it wants it to be. I think they've got the the weapons of the receiving game. Running game, I think, is there defensively. Um, they do have to shore up up front a little bit, but they at least have some depth. They've got depth up, mm-hmm. up front, uh, and then Parsons can turn the game into his own uh, highlight reel. So I think the Cowboys have got that. The Bengals are surprisingly better defensively, but I just feel like going back and winning it is that much more difficult. I think the Cowboys, I'll trust them. Um, I don't know that I trust Mike McCarthy because I really like Zach Taylor and I love the way he's approached. Have you heard what he said, Mark? Every time that the Bengals play a game and it's like, oh, it's a big game, and they say, because they've got to play us. I love that mentality. I love it. It's like yep. the Cincinnati Bengals are in a big game. They got to play us. That's what makes the game big. I love that approach by Zach Taylor. I think he's done a really, really great job. But I'm going to go, I can't believe I'm doing this, but I'm going to go with the Dallas Cowboys, though, with a slightly better chance just because I think the NFC is just not as good. You know, I, I could hear you talking yourself out of it as you were talking. Yep. Because Dallas, listen to this now, Dallas is unlikely to win the division, right? Less likely, right? Yeah. I, I think Dallas doesn't win that division, so they'll have to go on the road week one. Now, the Bengals, it's not an easy path, but the Ravens have quarterback issues with the health department. Yep. And, you know, Huntley's coming back from the concussion. Great. But is he really going to be all that? Who knows? And they get to play in the regular season finale, like I pointed out. So let's say the Bengals play that first week at home and Dallas has to go on the road. That right there evens it out in if not tipping the scales towards Cincinnati, a team that's hot right now. And I know Dallas is pretty hot too, but you know, they struggled to beat the Texans. Uh, I'm going to give the Texans some credit for that. The Texans made life difficult for them. So yep. I think that's going to be interesting. Anyway, let's get to this one. Pick your six and seven seeds in the AFC playoff picture. Oh. This is who's better, but we're revising it a bit. Your division leaders right now, Buffalo, Kansas City, Baltimore and Tennessee. Then you have the Bengals. I'm, you know, so the Bengals Ravens loser still makes it as the uh, five seed. Let's just say right now, right? The Patriots, the Chargers, and the Jets are all at seven wins. Patriots swept the Jets. Chargers are the Chargers. You know, the Jags are hoping for a miracle finish here so they can crash the party, and everybody else has a meltdown. But let's not talk about that. So you tell me, Jets, Chargers, Patriots, who's better? I mean, automatically you default to the Chargers just because of Herbert. But right. that that team is so confusing. It's so confusing, yep. Mark. And I don't care who's coaching. Very. I think Brandon Staley's a really good coach. It doesn't matter who's coaching. It doesn't matter. Even when it was Phillip Rivers, there'd be that at what uh, term was 18? Was it 2018 when the Chiefs and the Chargers, I can't remember, it was 17 or 18, and both teams were just awesome. And the Chargers get to the playoffs and, yep. and just lay an egg. Can't do anything. Then the next year, they're like 5-11. and 11. 
And you're like, man, I can't figure these guys out. And then Herbert takes over, and it's still the same thing. But they're, they're a mega-talented team. If they could get everybody healthy and make a run, I think they could be scary. Eckler's playing as well as any running back. I remember seeing him thinking in week four, like, okay, maybe we're getting a little bit of a break because he's not like Derrick Henry. He's not like, you know, Javante Williams. You know, he's a little bit more scat backish. Man, that dude put on a show against us. He's continued to do it all year long. So I would say the Chargers. But the Patriots find a way. It's not pretty offensively. But, man, that defense is no joke. But I got to say the Chargers are those three. And I'm not saying the Jets because I just – Mike White's going to get beat up a little bit more. And when he does, they got to go back to Zach Wilson. And I don't know what Zach – I don't think anybody knows. I don't think anybody knows Ooh. what Zach Wilson's bringing back to the party. So I'm just – I'm discounting them and taking them out of the equation because of that alone. So I'm going Chargers because I just think that team is that much more talented. They could go on the road. They could go on the road and beat anybody in the AFC because Herbert could get hot and just knock them out, um, no matter who it is. So I'm going to give the Chargers a little yeah. bit of a leg up uh, in that whole situation. I can't trust Mac Jones, not with Matt Patricia calling plays, and I certainly don't trust Zach Wilson. Uh, so I would say the next two teams after the Bengals will be the Dolphins and Chargers. Man, the Dolphins could possibly drop out of the race here yes. in the coming weeks. They've got Buffalo on the road, Green Bay at home, at New England – and then the Jets at home. And, you know, any one of those games could go either way. It's going to be really interesting to see how Mike McDaniel and his crew. It was a big party earlier, a big love affair. And I'm not saying it's going to be over even if they have a tough finish and miss the postseason. But, man, what a really difficult time for them right now. Okay, something popped up on the injury report, and I know you saw it too. And it's just sneaky concerning, and we're going to talk about it next, along with your big key. Just a preview of the keys from tomorrow night as the Texans take on the Chiefs Sunday at noon. It's homecoming. I'd love to get into that some more. It's Texans Radio. Happy holidays from Texans Radio. Back to the show that keeps you plugged in with the Houston Texans. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you as we go over the injury report just briefly here. Texans playing the Chiefs Sunday at noon. And, Johnny, I don't like this at all. Limited yesterday, Taylor Stallworth with a calf. Now he DNP'd today, did not practice with that calf. And I'm not happy with this one. I don't need this in my life right now. I'm not saying he's Warren Sapp, but he was welcomed to the party on Sunday with some playmaking against the Dallas Cowboys, and I wanted to see more. You already don't have, let's see, I mean, you, you, Michael Dwumfor, I know he's not the same kind of player. He's more of a pass rusher, but uh, you cut him and brought Stallworth aboard, and now he's hurt. And, look, I get it because he's been sitting a bit, and it's just difficult. I'm not blaming him, but I'd love to see him play. Other notables, let's see, I don't really see much. Brandon Cooks was limited today after not practicing yesterday with that calf injury. And the Chiefs are just maddeningly healthy right yes. now. I mean, my gosh, yep. they've got everybody available except for, oh, limited, Kadarius Tony, Big whoop-de-doo. Everybody else is a full go, and they list their injuries. Mahomes, how long has he had this right-hand situation on the injury report? It's been a it's been a little while. I'm trying to remember when he heard it. I want to say the Chargers game, but I, I don't recall for sure. But uh, yeah, I don't think the hand is much of an issue. If yeah. you know what he showed against the Broncos, now he he did 
have a couple of throws that were a little off the target, and you might think, well, oh, maybe. Three picks. But, nah. But, nah, I, I think um, that's just more him taking a few more risks than he probably probably should have or should, which hopefully he does against us. Here's the one thing, you know, Mark, I know you're going to ask me about a key. I think with the Chiefs, I don't want to say you, you kind of bore them to death, but they kind of play to a point where, like they did against the Broncos. They got a big lead against the Broncos, and they kind of put it in cruise control. And before you know it, they're letting the Broncos back in the game. It's like, whoa, wait a second. The Broncos got the ball, uh, I think it was early in the fourth quarter or late in the third, down 27-21. And all of a sudden you're going, oh, my gosh, the Broncos got right back in this thing. The Chiefs will let you back in the game, but you have to force the issue. Um, and then maybe one mistake goes here or there, and you're able to, you know, you're able to get back in it all the way and really put some pressure on them and see what's going to happen. But that's, but you've got to be able to force the issue a little bit against them. But you're right about Taylor Stallworth. Uh, Taylor Stallworth was excellent last week. Now, if the injury report is any indication, Kurt Heinisch was back at practice in a full capacity today. So that's that's Ooh, good. Nice. That would be good. So if you can't have Taylor, oh, I'd like to have them both. But if you, you can't have Taylor, you can at least have Kurt Heinisch. And again, the Chiefs are going to run the ball in a different way. You got to be able to rush the quarterback from the inside. That's that's one of the things you got to be able to do. And obviously, Taylor Stallworth showed a little bit of that. Uh, Kurt Heinisch has shown a little bit of that. Um, but if you don't have Stallworth, I don't want to say it's it's not a bad thing. But they're, they're just not going to grind you out. They're going to run the ball a few times here or there, and they're going to take the screen game and things like that. But they're not going to grind you out in the in the run game like the Cowboys could have. So if you don't have Stallworth, at least you have Heinisch to come back, which would be kind of good. That will be very nice. He was limited yesterday. Uh, Johnny, we did who's better, but one more little note here as the 49ers and Seahawks play tonight. What do you think is the better story, Brock Purdy and what he's doing with the 49ers or Taylor Heineke and what he's doing with Washington? I know Heineke's not a rookie, but it's kind of a similar situation. And even though Heineke has been with the organization before, it's it feels like an out-of-nowhere kind of thing with Heineke doing this with Washington, which is gunning for a playoff spot. And the 49ers are the 49ers, but, man, Purdy is the third guy in, and he's Mr. Irrelevant, but he's very relevant right now, especially tonight. Yeah, I think the difference, Mark, is that Heineke had at least won a few games. I mean, he took he started in a playoff game, I'll never forget, against Brady in 2020. And he kept the the Washington football team at the time, he kept them in the game. Uh, and in 2021, he got starts. He had at least shown it for a few years. And, yes, he did play in the XFL and, you know, had to, you know, fight for that job. But Brock Purdy was Mr. Relevant. I mean, he's behind not only Trey Lance, then he ends up behind Jimmy Garoppolo. But then he gets an opportunity, and then he's taken an opportunity. He's run with it. I hope he plays tonight. He's been dealing with an oblique slash uh, rib issue. And throwing the football and the torque you got to put on the football with that, I don't know, man. So I don't know how the 49ers are going to do it. But I just think Brock Purdy getting in the, these two games ha- and, and doing what he's been able to do and keep the 49ers machine going, not only keep it going, but actually take it another level up, I think is a massive, massive story. And the Commanders are winning. And Heineke's been a part of it. I think the 49ers have won, and Brock Purdy has been a big part of it. So I'd give Purdy probably the edge in that, and I hope he plays tonight. I hope we get a chance to see the full 49ers squad because I think that team is absolutely scary. I think it is scary when they've got all their weapons and they won't have Debo for a little bit. But, man, that team is absolutely scary to watch. 
Yep, Chiefs are pretty scary, too, and we'll see them up close and personal on Sunday. Looking forward to tomorrow's show where we go over all the business associated with this matchup and its homecoming with so many former Texans players, Texans legends in the building to take this one in. Tickets still available at HoustonTexans.com in some spots, so get your seats, get in there. It's going to be fun to watch the Texans take on the Chiefs with all the formal former Texans around to take it in as well. We want to thank Jace for producing tonight. This show will be available on the Texans app soon enough. Have a great night, everyone. Go Texans! This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610.